0: I'll tell you what, they didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew God was able and that God can, and they said, hey, King, do what you want. Throw us in that burning, fiery furnace, and uh, of course, the Lord went with them, and what a blessing to hear uh, somebody sing for the Lord this morning. Take your Bibles, and if you're joining us by way of live stream, make sure you have your Bible out. I hope you have the outline there with you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter uh, 46 and in Genesis chapter number 47 this morning, and I'm not going to begin as I normally do with the text. Uh, we are going to really kind of walk through uh, a lot of these two chapters this morning. We've, been, if, if again, if you're joining us, our theme for the year is "It is well," and we've enjoyed uh, just taking this journey that God has has had us on uh, about how that. And it, it, it really, when I think back to all that's happened in the last couple of months. I had no idea, but God did that all this was going to happen, and I love how God put this theme on my heart. It's helped me, and I pray it's helping you as we've been going through this together to realize that even though we're going through this situation, that it is well because of God. Uh, The focus this morning turns to these two chapters on how it is well because of a family reunion. Uh, How many of you like family? Not every hand's going up, I can tell. And uh, I realize, and you'll see in the message this morning, sometimes family can be a little bit challenging, and that's okay. But I'll tell you what family is all we have. And if you are out there this morning or you're listening here in the auditorium, I hope that if there is something in your family that's not right, that you make it right. You say, Well, I'm not the one that did it, you're missing it. Be a Christian make it right. I'll tell you, life is too short to go through and not have your family with you. Uh, Many of us in this auditorium have already had to say goodbye to some family. And and I'm sure I'm not alone this morning that would say that we need to to keep family close. Family is precious. I, I realize there's challenges everywhere you look, but when I look at these couple chapters, and we'll look extensively at this portion of Scripture this morning, I see here how we've been going through the life of Joseph over the last couple months. And and you know, what I, what I find is, uh, not only in Joseph's day, but in our day, was Joseph's family, would you agree, was very dysfunctional. <laughs> I mean, they really were, all those brothers, and of course, all that they did. And I, I look at families today, and I don't mean this in a negative, derogatory way, but Many families today are very dysfunctional families. Uh, you're saying, yeah, Pastor, that's my family, you know? Uh, but, but I realized that Joseph, his family had its challenges. I, I study and just kind of give you an overview. There was, as you look at his family and the Word of God coming up to where we are today, there was widespread sin. There was open hatred. It wasn't something that they did behind the back. It was, it was open that everybody knew. There was favoritism. Uh, in the family. There was wickedness of every kind. Say, Pastor, that sounded more and more like my family. I mean, that's just the way Joseph's family was, but the truth is every family is pretty much like that. Now, the message today as we are winding down the life of Joseph is this. When I look at these verses and, and this message this morning, I really believe that it teaches us that there is hope for the family. There's hope for the family, and there's hope for the future. Uh, I, I realized, and I listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old, all right? I realize that. And I, I tend to, a lot of times, look at the younger generations, and, and I can see this, and I can see that. And I'm so glad that every time I start to think, boy, you know, they should be doing this, or they shouldn't do this, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit of God, do you remember what you were like when you were that age? Do you remember what your generation was like? Do you remember how your generation rubbed the generation ahead of it? And God has been trying to teach me to be patient with the generations that are coming behind me. So listen, I'll say this morning, for those that are here and those that are listening, there is hope for the future, and there's hope for the family. And as we look at this passage this morning, the very first thing that I want you to see, because I really believe as we gather together again, uh, that, that as we look at this passage this morning, the Lord has something to say for our families, And if we're careful this morning, not only our families, but our church family, we can learn something from Joseph's family reunion, and it all began with looking here in chapter 46 at Joseph and a blessed family. Joseph and a blessed family. You know, we won't take the time, but if you look in Genesis 46, you can see through many verses here, beginning in about verse number 8, the Bible says, and these are the names of the children of Israel. Now, Israel is Jacob, and it says here, which came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, and then it begins to name his sons and his entire family. So down to about verse number 27, it mentions all the members of Joseph's family. Uh, Years ago, we had a family uh, reunion. Uh, My family did at a local park where I grew up, and my dad had a couple... Ants that actually had uh, money to burn—I guess you could say it that way—didn't really know what to do with their money, so they decided to do one of those uh, family uh, trees or family histories, and they had it all researched out. And they got back these books that were probably about two inches thick, and and it, it gave the entire family history of our family. And and I remember as they passed them around, I remember looking through there, and and I was I was looking for people of notoriety, people of interest that, that maybe, and the only person I found was Daniel Boone. And, and so I am related to Daniel Boone. I don't know what that tells you this morning. I just know I'm related to Daniel Boone. And, and I thought it was kind of neat just looking back through there. One thing that I found which, which really amazed me was that my family, predominantly when I grew up, was Catholic. And My dad used to heckle me when I got saved and I started to go to attend a Baptist church. I remember my dad used to ask me questions, almost like I had disowned the family and so on. I became a Christian when I got saved by the grace of God. I became a Baptist by conviction as I started to study the Word of God. And as I began to study the Word of God, uh, my dad would ask me various questions. And what was interesting when I looked through that book was, is that through my family's history, you know what I found? I found that there were Baptist preachers in my family's history. It had jumped, I don't know how many generations, so here I am. I'm trying to keep the line going, so I'm waiting maybe for a grandson now to, uh, to step into the place, since God didn't give me any sons, Jerry, and he just gave me all daughters. And every day, my daughters try to preach, but they're not supposed to. But so this morning, as we look at this passage, and I see Joseph, and I see all these members of his family. Notice letter A, I see their number. Now the Bible says in verse number 26 of Genesis 46, all the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives, all the souls were three score and six. So basically 66 souls is what it was talking about here. So you see that... Jacob's family had grown, and along with his family growing, we see that his wealth began to increase, but just like most families, soon trouble came into his home and into his family. Uh, I, I won't go back and rehearse it, and we've been looking at it. You can go back and read for yourself, but I'll tell you, there was quite a few years there where it seemed to Jacob that his children were out of control. I think that's indicative of many homes today. How children are out of control. How parents aren't being parents. How they're not teaching their children. Uh, to uh, I, we were, we spent some time with one of my daughters when we went to see my mom, and they came in for a few days, and 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 we were with my 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 son-in-law and my daughter and my two grandchildren, and and it's always always fun to spend time with grandkids and and our kids and. And so I got to spend time with Sawyer, our granddaughter, and our grandson, Duke. And I remember that uh, it was the last night we were going to get up at four in the morning and drive back, four in the morning, you know, that's before that orange ball goes up in the sky, right? And, and so we were, we were sleeping sound, and all of a sudden, I was awakened in the middle of the night. I heard all these voices, and I thought, what is going on? And I looked over at my wife I could see my daughter, and she was all frantic, and my wife was there, and I said, what's the matter? And she says, we can't find Duke. I said, what do you mean you can't find Duke? We're, we're in a hotel room. It's, it was a suite. There was an outer part, and then the bedroom where we were, and I said, what do you mean? She, my, my, my wife said, uh, that we got up, my daughter got up to check on him, and he wasn't in his bed. I'm like, where's he at? She goes, we don't know, and so here we are midnight, running through a hotel, up and down the hallways, going, Duke, Duke. I mean, we're we're yelling. And and they thought, I said to my daughter, I said, well, we're on the fifth floor. And I said, well, he has to be on this floor. And she goes, no, he knows how to work elevators. And I said, how does he know how to work elevators? And she said, well, we taught him. And so, we go to get on the elevator and the doors open. My son-in-law steps off. All he's wearing is a pair of shorts. No shirt, no shoes. It's midnight. He's, he's out of breath. He's winded and he's going, I went down, I checked every one of the bottom five floors and he's nowhere down there. And I, and I looked at him and so we went running back to the room. He had gone into the room where we were sleeping, went behind the curtains and was playing. My son-in-law, if I wouldn't have been there, I would have killed my grandson. <laughs> About that time, I thought to myself, I'm glad God chose wisely not to give me any sons. You know, I thought, I'm glad my son in law has to deal with that instead of me. You know what I did? I laid back down, went back to sleep. I, didn't, I don't know what happened after that. I know my son in law lived through the night, and I know that my grandson is still alive. I saw him in the morning. But children sometimes get out of control. And that's what happened in Jacob's family. It must have seemed for Jacob as though life was always going to be hard, that life was going to be unsettled, that it was going to be difficult for not only him as a father, but for his entire family. But it's amazing how God, listen to me this morning, God took a man, Jacob, this one man, and brought through him the nation of Israel that we still talk about today. What appeared to be a family that was ruined by tragedy was actually a picture of God's grace in the making. God was working in this family, in this situation, and and I I was thinking about Jacob and his family, and of course, Joseph and the brothers and all that, and I was thinking about my family. You know, I just spent uh, some time, we went over to my oldest sister's on Thursday night and got together with my sisters and my brother-in-laws and course, some of my nieces and their husbands and their children now, and, and I was thinking about my family, how things weren't always the way they are now. I was with my sisters, and I said, I said, hey, listen, we need to take a picture. My one sister, Debbie, she goes, I don't take pictures. I go, you do now. You're taking one for your brother. So all four of us, we go down, they humored me. We went down outside my sister's backyard, and, and we get down there, and 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 we're standing there, and I said, now, uh, get an age order. And so my, my one sister's standing there, and I said, did you forget what order you are? And sh- she's like, well, everybody at work says that Denise is older than I am. And I said, well, she's not, so get next to her. So she gets next to her, and I'm standing there, and, and 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 somebody says, Debbie doesn't smile. And I said, yes, she does. And I had my arm around her, and I started tickling her. <laughs> she's... Stop that, Dane, and she's smiling, and I said, snap the picture, and I got a picture with her smiling. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know the next time I'm going to get together with my sisters. I don't know the next time I'm going to be together with my family, and, and I'm thinking about my family today, and I want you to think about your family. It may appear sometimes that your family, like Jacob's family, is out of control. Uh, those that are in the family those that you love and those that you care for. But listen, can I tell you, just like in Jacob's family, God has a plan. And God wants to work the plan that he has for your family. He worked in Joseph's family and he can work in your family too. And what we need to make sure we keep doing is that we need to keep praying for our families and we need to keep trusting the Lord when it comes to our families. See, I see their number how that they had grown. Jacob's family and his wealth began to increase. And then I see their natures. Look what it says in Genesis 46 and verse number 10. Just a little phrase here. It says, the sons of Simeon, Jamuel and Jamin, and Ohad, and Jakin and Zohar, and Sheol, the, the son of a Canaanitish woman. See that, that reference there, that he had married a Canaanitish woman. In other words, when you look at just this little snapshot, and we could find other things that we took the time this morning, but these people that were members of his family, they were not perfect. They were a long way from it, and can I tell you, no one's perfect. We all have our faults and our failures and our idiosyncrasies, but still, as you look at this situation, there is still a glimpse of God's grace that is at work. Jacob's son that it mentions here in verse number 10, he had married a Canaanitish woman. Now, the reason that I'm pointing that out this morning is because just like us, their nature is the same nature that we have when we are born. Canaanitish people were accursed people, according to the scriptures, and marriage to them by those that were a part of Jacob's family, the, the people of God, marriage to them was forbidden. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said about himself, the great man of God that he was, but listen to his testimony in Romans seven eighteen. He says, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul says, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, he says, I find not. See, we all have that Adamic nature and When you look at Joseph's family and how blessed it was, you see their number and you see their natures, but notice you also see their names as are mentioned in these verses. Every time I I read this, and I realize sometimes we get to chapters like chapter 46 or we get to the various places in the Bible where you have the genealogies where a lot of times we, we tend to struggle when it comes to reading those in our Bible, but when I look at all these names, I'm reminded that the Lord knew every detail about Jacob's family. Did you hear that this morning? God knows every detail, not only about Jacob's family, but about your family and my family. You know why? Because God is God. God knew who belonged to who. God took note of all of that. He knew every individual. He knew every sin, every problem every fear, every worry that they had. He knows everything about our families. He knows the secrets that we are trying to hide. God knows all about the needs that we have. He knows about all our problems, every worry that we have, every need, every valley, every failure, every success. God knows the pain that we go through in our hearts and the joy that we have in our souls. Listen to Hebrews 4:15. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God knows what your needs are. God knows what you're going through, what you've been going through these past couple weeks and months. And Can I tell you, just like in Jacob's family, God is busy working in the hearts and lives of those that we love. We need to make sure that we're doing the only thing we can do, and that is that we put them in his hands. And we look for God to work when we cannot work. I love what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7 Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God cares for you this morning. And God cared about Jacob and his family. And that's why I see that as we look at this passage this morning, and we see this family reunion happening, how they had been segmented, how they had been apart from each other because of sin. I see how God is working and God's grace is evident and Jacob has a a family that has been blessed by God, and so we see Joseph and a blessed family, and then we see Joseph and a beloved father. I want you to think about this this morning. This has been something that's really been, especially as I made a a trip back home, uh, I call it home, back where I grew up. This is home for me now, but I was thinking about my father. I went back, and I spent some time, and I was able to to gather a few things that belonged to my dad. I remember I grabbed something to use the other day, and, and I said to my wife, I said, the last time this was used, my dad was the one that used it. There was something else that I saw, and later on I got it. I never said it out loud, but I thought the same thing. The last time this was touched, my dad was the one holding it. When I look at this passage this morning, and I see how... Joseph treated his father. You know what that does is it it well at least for me it reveals much about the character of Joseph. And the way that we listen, the way that we treat those who grow old around us are really a window into our character. How do you treat people? How do you treat people that are older than you. I grew up in a day where we were taught at a very young age, didn't matter who it was, to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It's kind of funny, still to this day, as old as I am, I get around some people that are about my age, and I'll still do that with them, and they'll look at me like, why are you saying that to me? You know, I always do that to Brother Vaughn because he's my elder. He's older than I am, you know. It's evident that he is with all that gray hair that he has. But, but here's the thing about Joseph and his father. Look at it, first of all. Notice he gave his father attention. Look in chapter 46 and verse number 28. Look at these verses. The Bible says, And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph, to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen, and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him and fell on his neck. The Bible tells us here that when Joseph was younger, you know, look, it's evident that Joseph was that son that, that Jacob had waited for. He, he, As you study the scriptures, here's what you find is that he was the apple of his father's eye. Now, I realize that there ought not to be, when it comes to children and parenting, there shouldn't be favorites, but this was the case with Joseph and his father. Jacob favored father, uh, Joseph above all of his sons. Remember the coat of many colors that he gave to Joseph? That coat really became a, 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 a caused a great problem in the family. Why? Because as Jacob gave that coat to Joseph, it it really was a statement of the father's love for that particular son. All the rest of the sons were probably thinking, where's my coat? God didn't give me a coat. Uh, my father didn't give me a coat. And so here he was. he was. He was definitely favored by his father. And here's what we see in chapter 46 is that now, after Jacob had favored Joseph, now Joseph is in the place where, He's in the place of power, where Jacob now has become an older man in his life. Joseph finds himself in a position now having to provide for his father. It's kind of a role reversal. Some of us have experienced that, as we've gotten older, that our parents used to provide for us, and now as they're older, they need us to provide for them, and Here he is that he's showing attention to his father. He goes out, as we just read there, to meet Jacob. He wants to ensure that all of his father's needs are being met. This past week, people have asked me this morning, Pastor, how was your trip? I'll tell you in about a month. Uh, We we spent the entire time working on my father-in-law's house. From the time we got there till the time we left, Say, Pastor, why would you do that? Because I love my wife and I love my father-in-law and their family, and family takes care of family. My father-in-law is, just turned 80 on Tuesday. We were there for his birthday. The whole idea of, of working on his house was to try to get, because he lives on a, on a two-level house, we were trying to get the downstairs to where he had everything he needed so we, where he wouldn't have to go upstairs for anything. So I spent the entire time working on that. You know why? Because just like Joseph with Jacob, we were trying to make sure that that all of the needs that my father-in-law would have would be taken care of. And that's what Joseph finds himself doing. He gives attention to his father. And if we live long enough and our parents live long enough, we're going to find ourselves in the same position that Joseph found himself. Joseph, I think, is a great example for all children and when I say children, I'm talking about children that become adults to take care of their parents. I was thinking about Brother Adam down here on the front row. I remember, Brother Adam, before I met you, I came here. You were already here at the church. Brother Adam was up in Jacksonville, Florida, and he was honestly just doing what the Lord had for him. And I, I learned much of this after I got here, but, but his dad had, had become ill Brother Adam left Jacksonville, came down here to to be here to help his mom with his father. Little did he know that after his father passed, that his mother was going to get sick. And there was Adam every day with his mom. I can still remember Chris. And she's been rejoicing in heaven now for many, many years. But Adam came down and, he, he, listen, he put his life on hold. He said, listen, family is more important. Now, not every member of his family uh, was had that same sentiment, but I'll tell you, there's something that God put in the heart of Adam that said, I need to be there for my family. And that's what I'm talking about this morning is we as children of our parents, if we live long enough and our parents live long enough, we are gonna find ourselves in that same situation. Joseph made every effort to take care of those that he loved, those that needed his attention, those that needed his care, so he gave his father Jacob Attention. Notice he gave him affection. Look at verse number 29. Again, the Bible says that he presented himself unto him. He fell on his neck and he wept on his neck a good while. Now, listen to me this morning, and I I realize every family's different. I've been to church, I've been to Jerry's church. I was there for three years. I've been to churches. I've been to church all my life until I came to this church. This is the very first church that I've ever been to that the church is a hugging church. That's really hard when you have COVID-19, you know, it's, it's been really hard for our people, you know, I've been trying to keep brother David Mills at home because he cannot control himself. And, and, and like in the South, you, you know, very friendly people, but they don't walk around hugging everybody, you know, cause they might mess up their hair or whatever it might be. But but listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you talk about affection, you look at this situation here. It had been over 20 years. Can you imagine not seeing your father, somebody that you love that much, for 20 years? And here's the reunion. He, he could not contain his emotions. He fell on his neck. I mean, he, he, there he is. Remember his position. He literally is, at this time, the prime minister of Egypt, and he is hugging his daddy as a grown man, weeping and crying, and everybody is standing around him watching, the prime minister. Prime ministers don't do that. People don't show that kind of affection, especially to people from where Jacob's family came from, if you're living in Egypt. But as you find here, he made no effort to hide his love for his father. I love this, how he's weeping like a child, hugging his father. Look, we should be the same way. We should not be ashamed to display our love and our affection for our families. Some of you, I know, you were taught never to display any affection publicly. I love to do this to my wife. Sometimes I'll kiss her in public and she'll say, I'll do it on purpose. She just comes from one of those families. You just don't do that publicly, you know? Somebody might see. Might see what? I got a ring on my finger. I got a piece of paper that says you're my wife. If I want to hug you, I'll hug you in public. I want to hold your hand or kiss you. I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? I mean, within bounds, I guess. But, (laughs) But here's the thing is, some people never kiss on their family. They never hug at all. Look, my mom, I went to see my mom and I, I you know, we were in town and of course I, I love to see my mom. She's been in a home now for many years and, and the best they could do, which I was thankful for, was they brought my mom out on a balcony one floor above me and I was about 15, 20 feet below her and I stood there and my mom, she is as bad as she's gotten, she can't keep her eyes open. And so I'd stand down there and I'd say, hey mom, and she barely popped her eyes open. I said, look, I didn't drive 20 hours for you to sleep. And that, the, the, the aide that was with her, she just kind of looked at me and she got a smirk on her face. I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And I said, I'm, I'm gonna throw you a kiss. And I went, ooh. And my mom, here she is with her eyes closed, she goes, She caught the kiss. I mean, it was all I could do, all I could do, because I couldn't hug her physically. But I'm going to tell you, family, they need to know that you love them. Tell them that you love them. Kiss on them, hug on them. Children and families need to know that you love them. I mean, we, we've got to get beyond this. I'm too dignified for that. Oh, just get over it. Some of you just need to lose yourself and realize, you know what I found out? They, they said at the home where my mom is staying, they, and my mom included, that most of the residents, I don't even know how many are in that home, it's three stories, that most of the residents are depressed. You know Why? Because there's not been any show of affection, no hugging, no holding their hand. My mom, when I was a a little boy, well, she did it any time I got the opportunity, even as a grown man. My mom would always rub my back. Moms just have a way. And I would always climb up in her lap as a little boy and I'd say, scratch my back. And she would do that. Every time I would go to the home, I would scratch her back. I'd rub her back the entire time I was there. People would see me doing it, and they thought. And I could see the looks. You know, like, what are you doing? This is my mom. She showed me affection. She loved me. And I want to show my love for her. You see, he showed his father attention. He showed his father affection. Your children, your family, they need to hear you say to them, I love you. you, Even some of you men that are sitting here this morning and some that are listening. Listen, I have said publicly, I love you. It's okay if it's in the right spirit for a man, a Christian man, to tell another Christian man, I love you. Nothing wrong with that. But your children, your family needs to hear you say. Listen, you can either say it now or when they're gone, lose the opportunity to say it. And then you'll wish you did say it. Some of you right now might be thinking about when's the last time I told so-and-so that I love them. You see, I see him giving his father attention. We need to hug and love our family, and our children every day of their lives. He gave them attention. He gave them affection. Look at this. He gave him acceptance. Go back to chapter 46. Look at verse 31. The Bible says, and Joseph said unto his brethren and unto his father's house, watch this, <clears throat> I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, my brethren in my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me, and the men are shepherds, for their.'" "...trade hath been to feed cattle, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, what is your occupation, that you shall say, thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth, even until now, both we and also our fathers, that we may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians." Chapter 47. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen, and he took some of his brethren, even five men, presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said, Thy servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. And now, therefore, we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, thy father and thy brethren are coming unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee, and the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell, and in the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are in 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. So Joseph here, amazingly, what he wants to do, and he does do, is he wants to present, present his family and his father to Pharaoh. He knew that as he did this, that the Egyptians despised shepherds. And they considered the, the, the uh, shepherds to be unclean and worthless people. And, and when I think about this, and I won't go into detail, but I think when I say this statement, it'll bring your mind back to some of the major stories that have been in the news the last couple of days But much like some people today even view those that might have a a skin of a different color or those that come from a different stratus of society, uh, they look down on them. They thought evil of them or had bad thoughts about them. Joseph knew how the Egyptians felt, but listen to me. He still wanted to introduce and present his family, present his father. He was not ashamed of his father. I've seen this. Children ashamed of their parents. You know, a lot of times I'll say to my wife, "Is my hair look okay?" I don't want to embarrass anybody. You know, I don't. I don't want to. I, I want my children to to be proud of who I am. But the truth is, is that I just want to be what the Lord wants me to be. And I see that that the, the Egyptians look down on the family of Joseph, the kind of people that they were. And Joseph knew this, but yet he brings his family, he wants to bring his dad and present him to Pharaoh. And imagine this scene as it begins to unfold. Here is Pharaoh, this, this man of, of great prominence, great power, this man of royalty, that he has the crown and he has the rich robes and he has all the servants and he has all the wealth, more than you can count, and then there's Jacob. I mean, what a contrast. There's Jacob standing there dressed in the humble robes of a shepherd. He has very little of this world's wealth, really has none of the world's power. And you see the the situation here. You have Pharaoh, the great Pharaoh, and you have Jacob. But what amazes me is in verse number 7 of chapter 47, look at the statement again. The Bible says, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Did you hear that? You see, Jacob realized I have more than Pharaoh has. God has been so good to me. Look at all the family and all the blessings. Hey, again, folks, things of this world do not bring happiness. Only what God has given to us. Only what is a part of us, our family. Jacob may not have, he, as, as, as Pharaoh and all those that were there on this particular day, Jacob may have been weak in the eyes of the world, but he was powerful in the eyes of the Lord. Pharaoh may have been a, an earthly king, but Jacob was a child of God. Joseph knew his father was a man of God, and Joseph was proud of his father, Jacob. Somebody said it this way, and I think you could probably agree You can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your family, right? Family is all that you have. There are times I know that we can be embarrassed by our families. I can remember many situations with with my family where things got very embarrassing, and sometimes I was the one causing the embarrassment. And sometimes that can happen. But we need to learn, as we see here, to accept people for who they are. but We need to love people for who they are. I don't expect my children to change because I want them to change. I accept them for who they are. And we need to love them for who who they are. Now listen, I I am a blessed man this morning like Jacob was, and that is that for, uh, for many, many years, I know for a fact that my children are all saved. When they were little and they were born, that was one of the prayers my wife and I had for many, many years was that our children knew Christ as their Savior. And if you have a family this morning that is saved, you are especially blessed to have a saved family. Thank God that God has given you some people in your life who love Him and who want to serve Him. I think about Andrew and the Chadwicks and how how proud they are and how they have seen their son serving God. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's great joy, like my daughter standing here singing for the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to see your children loving God, serving God. And this is what Jacob did as as he had this family. And so Joseph, when it came to his father, what did he give to his father? What can you give to your father or to your mother? You can give them attention. You can give them affection. You can give them acceptance. Look at this. He also gave him acknowledgement. Look at chapter 47 and verse number 11. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and, look at this, his brethren. Boy, did you talk about the grace of God? These are the guys that threw him in the pit. These are the guys that because of him, he ended up in the prison. And the Bible says that now, Joseph, as the tale has been turned, we see that he is taking care, nourishing his father and his brother and all his father's household with bread according to their families. So we see here that Joseph, when he was small, just like all of us, you know, you ask a child, you know, hey, where do groceries come from? They just think magically they just show up, you know? Uh, I, I don't know, I just opened the refrigerator and it's there. You know, a lot of us as parents were like, yep, that's right, that's what my kids think. You know, he's 25 and he still thinks the same thing. But here's what we find is, is that Joseph, when he was small, his father provided for his needs. <clears throat> but now, here's Jacob now, an older man, he's in a position where his needs need to be met. So what does Jacob do? He acknowledges that he has a responsibility to care for his father. That's what we need to do. Acknowledge the responsibility that God has given to us. So what does Joseph do? He rises to the challenge. And it's, again, it's a great example for us. Look, Joseph, Joseph could have said, look, I'm going to put you guys anywhere I want. But he specifically asked for the land of Goshen. This, this particular area of Egypt was the most, one of the most fertile areas in all of Egypt. Joseph saw that they would be in a place that was perfectly suited for the needs of shepherds, that they would have plenty for their herds, that they would be well taken care of. He saw that his father and his entire family had everything they needed to survive, and not only to survive, but to thrive as a family. Joseph, as I look in this situation, you know what I find he was. I hope this is what you want to be. He was a blessing to them. You know, my father-in-law, he must have thanked us—I don't know how many times—for doing all that stuff on, on his house. I didn't do it. I didn't do it for him. I didn't do it for thanks. I just wanted to do it to be a help, to be a blessing. You know, God doesn't want us to to be in a place where we're always receiving the blessing. He wants us to be a blessing to others. That's one of the things I was talking to Pastor Humbert, and I told him, I said, thank you for being a blessing. And he said, every time we come, he said, your church is always a blessing to us. And and, and that's the way Joseph was. Joseph was a a blessing to his family. He respected his father, and amazingly, he respected the, the entire rest of his family, including his brothers. And it was a great pattern, not only for Joseph, but for all of us to follow. And we have a responsibility to look after those that are older than us, those that have needs in their lives. Look at 1 Timothy five sixteen: If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. James two fifteen: If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? God says, take care of those. You have a responsibility. Acknowledge your responsibility. So we find here that Joseph had a blessed family, and Joseph had a father that he loved so much, and notice this morning, Joseph in a bitter farewell, and we see this as we conclude the message this morning, look at verse 40, chapter 47 and verse 27. And the Bible says, Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. He's about the same age as Brother Flynn, I guess. But can you imagine, think about this. Before he got to Egypt, the 20 years or so before he got there, we've already looked at, and you can go back yourself. It was a time where Jacob was like, my life's over. My son is dead. His sons were a mess. There was all this trouble in the family. For 20 years, remember I told you this was a message that there is hope for the family. And there is hope for the future. Can you imagine what those last 17 years were like? He was back together with his family. He was in the land of Goshen. Hey, listen, all of us should want our last days to be the greatest days of our lives. People talk about it all the time. Boy, I can't wait to be an empty nester. Really? The house gets awful quiet. You know? I mean, I love my children, and there are times where I might think, well, it'd be nice if they weren't around. But the truth is, I miss them all. You know, every time we get a chance to be around any of them. You know, we want to spend time. Now, I know my kids don't think that. But we do. And here he is for 17 years. This family reunion, it began when Joseph fell on his neck and began to cry and weep. But it didn't stop after that moment, it went on for 17 more years. And here we are in these last couple verses of chapter 47. And we're called to the bedside of Jacob. Jacob now believes that it's the end of his journey, 147 years. But before he passes on the scene, Jacob has a few things as he's departing that he wants to say to Joseph. Notice it's not to the rest of his brothers. He wants to say some things to Joseph before he dies. And so we have an opportunity because we have God's word to kind of listen in to what a father, Jacob, has to say to his son, Joseph. And so let's look at this, because I believe there may be just something here for us too. And I see that we see that he makes a final petition. Look at verse number 29 of chapter 47. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son, Joseph. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said, and he said, Swear unto me, and he swore unto him and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So he makes a simple request as a father his last petition on this earth. He says, "Son, I don't want to be buried in a strange land. I want to be buried where my fathers. He said, "I want you to take my body back to Canaan to be buried" in the same place as my father's. And so what does Joseph do? What any good son would do. Joseph promises to carry out his father's wishes. And so notice we see a final present that he gives to him. If you take your Bible this morning and go over to chapter number 50, a couple chapters over the last chapter in the book of Genesis, The Bible tells us, and we won't read all of these verses, but in verse number one, Joseph fell upon his father's face and he wept upon him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel, and forty days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him Three score and ten days, that's seventy days. That's people from Egypt's land mourning for Joseph's daddy. Verse number four. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. I see this final present, how Joseph fulfills this promise that he made to his father. I know, look, I've been there, it's hard when the people that we love and we admire pass off the scene. I I know this was difficult for Joseph, thinking to himself, I I was robbed of 20-plus years with my father, but at least I've had these past 17 years. And we need to, like Joseph did, we need to consider the lives that they have lived, and we need to think about the legacy that they have left behind. I think about my dad, and and I think about how I just want to honor his legacy and And all of us should want to honor the legacy of those that have gone on before us. If you are blessed, and listen to me this morning, to have godly parents and to have a godly heritage, you should honor those that have gone on before you by living a godly life. It it may be that we will honor the heritage of those that, 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 that we have been given. But others, as we honor the heritage we've been given, others will honor the heritage that we passed out. See, people watch our lives. They're watching your, your family. Here we are in my sister's house Thursday night. It's time to eat. As far as I know, best I can tell, I'm the only Christian in my family. We were there and my sisters are drinking and carrying on and other things like worldly people do. And we get ready to eat, and people have plates in their hands. And all of a sudden, everybody stops, and one of them says, Dane, why don't you pray? That may not mean much to you, but that means a lot to me. You see, people are watching our lives. If we treat the previous generations like they they and their generations were worthless, then others may treat the things that we have passed down to them the exact same way. We need to honor them. Joseph was a man that had his priorities in order. Think about your life, your family today. Are your priorities in order? The things in your family, do you love your family the way that Joseph loved his family? Listen, he not only loved his family, father, but he learned how to love his brothers who had treated him the way that they had. Are you willing to protect the godly heritage that you have? Joseph was doing everything that he could to protect the heritage that had been given to him. The Lord, I really believe, is speaking to families today. This message just rang a bell with me this week as I thought about this, and I made the trip back home and thought many things about Um, in my life and and maybe you're listening this morning and maybe your relationship with your family needs work. Maybe you're a child and your relationship with your parents needs work today. Maybe you need to get with your children, whether it's here, whether it's at home, and just let your children know that you love them. Give them a hug and and say, listen, uh, we need to start doing this more often, showing displays of affection and attention and acknowledging our responsibility. There is work to do in our homes today and we need to get busy dealing with the things that we need to be dealing with because those are the things that matter. You see, the only thing that matters is family and it is well because of family. Joseph was a blessed man because of the family that God had given to him. And there was a separation for a time, but God brought them back together. Here we are. We've been apart as a family, church, for many weeks, but God has allowed us to come back together. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Lord, I want to thank you this morning for this message that you gave to us out of Genesis chapter 46 and 47. I pray that you would help us to see from this family reunion of Joseph, how Jacob's family was now back together. All the sons, the servants, the relatives. God, how you had blessed them. The father that you had allowed Joseph and his brothers to have. and How they cared for him. And they, they understood the responsibility that they had. And we know that life is not forever on this earth. That one day too, just like Jacob, we will depart. But until that day, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a family, to be an immediate family, to be a church family. And God, if there is something that is not right in our families today, that we would take the first step to make things right. God, that we would would let our family know how much we love them, and how much we care about them. Lord, during this invitation, I pray that you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's. I want you to think about this message today. I've talked a lot about family. I've talked a lot about my family. I wonder about your family. How's your family? Maybe somebody you need to go to today, or maybe you can't go to them physically, you could pick up the phone. Don't text them. Don't send an email. That's impersonal. FaceTime them. Call them. And just say to them, I haven't been the father that I should have been all these years. I haven't been the brother or the sister or the daughter. And I just want you to know, I love you. Now, after you say that, you might hear a silence for a while because they probably fainted because you said it. And they might even say, I've never heard you say that. And what you ought to say to them is, with God's help, you're going to hear it again and again and again. And if you're here this morning or you're listening, The greatest family of all is the family of God. I remember 35 years ago where I was an enemy of God. And because of God's grace, God saved me. I became a child of God. Say, Pastor, how do you do that? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're listening today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. You know what you need? You need a Father. Not an earthly Father that may let you down. You need a heavenly Father that will never let you down, that is always faithful. And so, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you're not saved, would you ask the Lord this morning, just pray a simple prayer like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I don't deserve your mercy and grace. But I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder, here in the auditorium this morning, by an upraised hand, would anybody be honest with God and say, I I just prayed that prayer. I asked the Lord to be my Savior, and now I know that I have a home in heaven because the Lord has saved me. Would you slip your hand up as, as a testimony that I just asked Christ to be my Savior? And I can't see your hands at home, but I pray that someone this morning prayed and asked the Lord to save them. God, thank you for the family. I thank you that some were able to join us today. I pray that you would be with those that are still at home. God, that you've ministered to them the way you've ministered to us here. We look forward to being together with you again this evening. Help us as family to love one another the way that Christ has loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.